Hey, Brian here with Mid-City Vineyard Church Weekly Teaching Podcast. Mid-City Vineyard is located in the heart of New Orleans, Louisiana. We worship on Saturday nights at 6 o'clock if you're ever around and you would like to gather and worship with us. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series entitled Breathing Underwater, where we've been tying together uh, spiritual maturity and spirituality with the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. And if you uh, would like to catch up, I just encourage you to listen to the last number of weeks of podcasts. This is week four. We entitled this one Sweet Surrender. It is in line with the third step of AA when we made a decision to turn our will over to God as we understand God. So hope you enjoy this. Much peace to you. Look forward to uh, hopefully meeting you sometime if you've not been able to worship with us quite yet. Let's get on over to the podcast. Let me, let me say this to you guys, because uh, I, I feel like this is something that I've been, this, this is not part of our teaching tonight, but um, over the last couple of weeks as we've just been uh, looking at our community of faith and, and Christy and I have been talking and, and we're just uh, processing the things that God is doing, someone said to me, uh, not long ago, they said, you know, I, I, I've been coming for a while, but I get kind of discouraged sometimes when I come because we're not growing. And I thought, yeah, I, I understand uh, what, what's being said there. There seems to be a natural tendency to, um, uh, especially for churches, to try to, to, try to get moving and, and get an exciting thing going and, and, and just all of a sudden think that they're going to add to their numbers and exponentially. And if you haven't been around church planting uh, much, then that might be kind of an expectation. But as one who has grown up in a world uh, and in a, the vineyard is a church planting movement, uh, I, ha- I have some different thoughts on that and church growth and things like that. And so, and some of you have even heard me say in the past, you know, uh, when we connect with people in our community, it's, you know, we're not doing, we're not connecting with people uh, so that they'll come to our church, you know, but we're just connecting with people because we want to be genuine people who love people. And, and I really stand by that. Uh, at some point, I really desire that our church community of faith would grow, but the way it grows and, and to the person who uh, said that the other day, and they were kind of discouraged, I just, if, if you find yourself in that place, I would just say to you, you know, the purpose of our worshiping together on Saturday nights, maybe on Sunday mornings at some point, um, is that we would be faithful to uh, experiencing and practicing the presence of God together. Whether we're 20 strong or we're 40 strong or we're 40 strong or we're 60 strong or we're 60 or 100, whatever it is, that we would be a people that are committed to practicing the presence of God together. That's why we practice and share communion every week together. That's why we read from the scriptures. That's why we pray for each other. That's why we pray together um, in, in hopes that we practice the presence of God together and that we together are being shaped and morphed and formed and changed and transformed by the spirit of God. That is, that is of the utmost importance to me. And so uh, I'm kind of to a place these days where I don't, I don't get overly highly discouraged. Um, I'm like 
almost every other pastor on the planet where, you know, if only 10 of us show up on a Saturday night, I get a little discouraged. I mean, I just must call that like it is. But, you know, like, um, I just, I love what God's doing here because I, you know, when we, when we shared stories like a few minutes ago, what do you see God doing? And then I see our minds thinking, oh yeah, what was God doing on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and then today? You know, we're, we're becoming the kind of people that are recognizing that Christianity is not a thing I do. It's a person that I am. I am a follower of Jesus and Jesus is present with me, the spirit, all the time. And it's not just something else I add to my life, but it's, it's who I am. It's what God is doing with me. And so I just continue to encourage you. We are, we have been talking, we're going to start adding more ways that we can connect in our mid-city community. We're looking for more and more ways because what I really ultimately desire, what we desire to be the thing that we're known for is not our gathering once a week, but how we just connect in our community. <coughs> if our goal is to make mid-city a better place, then how are we doing? And so we're going to keep pushing into that. But I just want you to know, I also want this to always be a place where you can invite your friends. And uh, I, I hope it's not, <coughs> I've been fighting a cough all week, so I, I hope that it's a place where you can invite your friends and that they would be able to experience the scripture in a, a different way than maybe some other churches. They'd be able to experience Christ in worship and maybe some different ways and just how we do things. All that's very intentional. Um, and obviously, it's, it's, it seems to be working for you. You keep coming back. And it's definitely working for me because uh, I keep doing the same thing. So, <laughs> But um, I just if, if you have found, found yourself experiencing those thoughts and just kind of wondering, um, we're not going to try to grow this church the way that a lot of churches, and, and I mean no disrespect towards those churches, but we're not going to pull out the fog machines and the snazzy lights and the, um, all the stuff that, some churches like to do, I'm not, we're not going for an attractional model. I'm going for more of a what's God doing in our life kind of transformational model. And I suspect it's going to take some time. I really do. But I think Jesus thought things were going to take time too. Because he said the kingdom of God is like the mustard seed. And you can hardly see and you plant it. And then you water it. And you go back out and you look and nothing happened. And then you go back out the next day and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing and nothing. And, nothing. and then one day. There was like a little spot. I think that's what God's doing. And I see it in your lives, and I'm experiencing it in my life. So I want more of that. So I hope that encourages you in a way uh, in what God is doing with us. Tonight, we're going to keep going, though, on our series, which is all about transformation. It's all about connecting with the things that God is doing in our lives. We've been working through the series, Breathing Underwater. Now this is week number four. We are tying each week. Uh, we're kind of looking at this uh, through the lens of spirituality and the 12 steps. There's kind of like this, this beautiful combination where we're bouncing off of the steps uh, from the 12-step program. But then we're looking into scripture and really seeing where these things tie together and, and how, for those who might not be an alcoholic, but those desiring depth and maturity in their spirituality, how, how, how can those steps of AA actually play some into your life, uh, but more importantly, to take that a step further, what are what is some of the spirituality uh, and components that lie beneath those steps that Bill W. penned uh, all those years ago? Because um, Bill W. was certainly a man who was filled with the spirit of the divine. Uh, there's no way that he could have ever 
written such a program. And, and if you read Bill W.'s story, Bill W. is the one who started Alcoholics Anonymous. If you read Bill W.'s story, then you quickly realize uh, that this was a man who was seeking after the divine, seeking after God. So tonight, uh, I've entitled this one, Sweet Surrender. And we're going to start with Luke chapter 23 through 25. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. Now listen, if you happen to want to follow along, I put Bibles right there on the communion table each week. Tonight I have a bunch of scriptures, and if you want to follow along in an actual paper Bible, grab one of those, turn there. If you don't have a Bible and you want to keep that paper Bible, take it home with you. It's yours to keep. So here we go. Luke chapter 29, verse 23 through 25. Then Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their very Self. In AA, the third step says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Now, in AA, that is the third step. We made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. As best I can tell, that's kind of like the first step for Jesus. Jesus comes in and he says, here's the, here's the thing, everybody. Like, I have life that I want to expose you to. I want to reveal life to you. I want to show you what life can really be. But the only way to get in on it is to actually die or surrender your life, to take on my life. The whole message of, of Jesus seems to be over and over again about, come get in on this, die to yourself, surrender, and take on this life. Come experience this, come be a part of this. Now, when we think about the words of Jesus, when we think about the words of Bill W. from AA, here, let's go back to the actual step, though. We made a decision. There's a couple of components here. Number one, we make a decision. Number two, decision to what? Turn over our wills or surrender to God. And the third thing is to God as we understand or as we understood God. So I want to look at this step and the scripture tonight, but I want to reverse it because uh, as I've been thinking about this, there are a couple of things that really can kind of get in your way. First off, anyone who is actually thinking about surrendering to God, a lot of whether or not one will surrender has to do with your understanding of God. One person said, I understood God growing up as a punishing God. And honestly, I have no desire to turn my will or my life over to a punishing, punitive, retributive God. And I would say, amen. <laughs> I have no desire to turn my life over to that type of God either. 
But unfortunately for many in our world today, many in our world today, and perhaps even some in the room tonight, that is the understanding we have of God. That God is angry. That God is out to get us. That God is retributive in his justice. That God is punitive. That God is vindictive. That God is bothered. And if that is our idea of the divine, if that is our idea of God, then why would we ever surrender to that God? Why would anyone ever surrender to a God out of fear? And I understand, listen, there, there are plenty of verses in the scripture that talk about fearing the Lord. But let me just encourage you, whenever you read the word fear, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, replace it with the word trust. Because ultimately, in the Old Testament scriptures, that's where the writers are going. I, I, it, is a, it is a trusting in how they use the word fear. It's not a being scared of. And so for many of us, you know, you, you might have grown up with an understanding that God is to be one who is feared, as in be scared of this God. You best not be caught sinning. You best not die while in the middle of committing a sin or this God will get you. Why would we surrender to that? I, if our earthly parents were that way, we didn't surrender to them. We fought them tooth and nail. We looked for freedom. We tried to get an escape. If you grew up with an abusive parent, then you're still experiencing trauma from that. You're still experiencing and going to therapy for that. You're still needing healing of that. If, if God is no better than an abusive parent, then why would we ever surrender to that? I would suggest that we shouldn't. But I don't think that that's how and who God really is, according to the scripture. See, because I believe with all of my heart, with every ounce of my being, that God is merciful, that God is generous, that God is gracious, that God is kind, that God is good, that God is trustworthy, that God is love. And if we really believe these things about God, then it makes a lot of sense that we could then surrender our wills or surrender our lives to a God who has our best interest in mind. To a God who desires better things for us than we even desire for ourselves. See, Bill W. says that God is the source of happiness. John, the apostle, says that God is love. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, says that I have come to give you life. And St. Paul, in the book of Colossians, says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That Jesus is God in the flesh. And that God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. So if you want to know what God looks like, then where do we look? We look to Jesus. And when we look to Jesus, we do not see one who is punitive or angry. We do not see one who holds things over people's heads or withholds forgiveness. We do not see one that is unkind or is bothered by people. 
The only people that Jesus ever seemed bothered by were the religious people who thought they had it all together and who kept scaring people away from God. So if you want to know what is this, who is this God that, that Jesus is saying, die to your own life and come after me, surrender, surrender your life to, to God, then who is this God? Look to Jesus. This is what God looks like. This is who we are surrendering to. But here's the thing about it, and I've come to, I've come to understand this over 20 years of, of pastoring and, and just being with people. You can't just hear about this type of love of God and just be like, oh yeah, I guess I'm going to just change a whole lifetime of the way I thought God was, and, and I'm, I'm going to take, take Brian for his word there on it. No, there's got to be some movement of experience, of, of, of seeing God as love. And, and I would encourage you, if, if, if you have a, a view of God that is one who's angry or bothered or, or withholding forgiveness, or you know, I, I would encourage you um, to sit down. I, I, I'd encourage you to give me a call, and, and let's me and you and Christy, and let's just let's sit down and begin to dig into it. You know, or, or someone else in the, in the community of faith who, who has a different understanding, a different experience of God. Sit down and, and begin to dig into it together. Because there's more for us. So what does it look like then if we have this surrendering? What does it look like to turn our wills over to God? Luke chapter 9 verse 23 through 27. Again from a different translation. Listen to it in the Message Bible. Then Jesus told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering but embrace it. Follow me. I will show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Surrender is the way. It's my way to finding yourself, your true self. What good would it do to get everything that you want and in the process lose the real, authentic, genuine you? It's like, what? who wants to do that? You can, you can, you can, you can keep living the life you, you live and, and you can maybe get everything you want, but in the process, you will never find the true, genuine you at the core of your being. Surrender. Here's the thing about it. Surrender always feels like dying. And that's why we don't like doing it. But it's necessary. It's the necessary path to real freedom. It's the necessary path to real liberation. And I would say to you that surrender is not giving up. Surrender is not giving up. As much as surrender is giving yourself over to the process. Surrender is giving yourself to the moment, to the event to the person, to the situation. Think of it like this. When I was um, in college, I, I, at that point in time, I really enjoyed playing golf. I was not good, but I enjoyed playing golf. And so at some point, and I had been playing golf all through high school and, and now through college, and so that's what, that's eight years I, I've been doing my own thing. And so finally one day, um, I decided I'm going to get some golf lessons so that I could actually maybe, hopefully, be a little bit better at this game. 
So I get a, 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 a golf coach, and he's going to help me. And I go to the range, and he's going to help me learn how to hit the golf ball. And so he tells me, he says, all right, uh, get right there and uh, start, start doing it. You know, show me, show me how, how you do it. And I, I take a, a swing, and then I do it again. He put another ball on the tee, and I do another one, and another one, and another one. And then he finally says, okay, I see the problem. And I said, problem? There's no problem. I just want you to teach me how to hit it straighter and further. But I don't want you to change anything. And he says, well, yes, but, you know, this hip is flying out and this shoulder is not staying in. And so you, you, you have to, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to change the way you swing in, in, in your backswing. I want you to pull the shoulder in and I want you to keep this hip pulled in. And I said, ah, no, 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 that's, it's uncomfortable. I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel right. And so I kept doing my own thing. And I kept shooting well into the 130s, which is not very good in golf. And I'd go back for another lesson, and we'd do it again, and he'd tell me the same thing, but I would, no, and again and again. And finally, it was kind of like, you know, you are wasting your money by paying me to teach you how to change and how to get better if you don't plan on doing it. So I surrendered to the process. Now, does that mean that I gave up? No, I didn't put my clubs in the attic. I didn't walk away from the game, but I surrendered to the process of the coach. Now, golf is all fun and games until we start talking about real life. Now, I tell you guys often about my depression, my anxiety, that, that I just go up and down and have experienced for so many years, but, but these stories seem so relevant all the time over and over again. I, because during that time of intense, intense, intense anxiety and depression, I'll never forget the day when my spiritual director, who I meet with once a month and have for about six years now, and my spiritual director says to me, he says, Brian, I know in the midst of all of the pain and all of the sorrow and the sadness and the depression and the anxiety, but I have to ask you, how is it changing you? How is it shaping you? How is it forming you? I said, what are you talking about? Like, all I want is to be out from under it. To which he replied, but what if, what if you can't? I mean, maybe you can, but what if you can't get out from under it? Then in the process, how might you surrender to it? What, how can you surrender to the process and see and cooperate and begin to accept where you are, to accept what is going on and begin to see how might this be shaping and changing and impacting you. How can you surrender to the process and allow yourself to experience something much deeper in the suffering? See, now that's that's a harder example than the than the golf swing. But really it's the same, it's the same thing. Where does the surrender come in? Where does the surrender come in? And what does it look like for us? The only way to, to turn over, the only way to turn over our will, ultimately then, is by making, or, or the only way to surrender is by making a decision. It doesn't happen through a feeling. It doesn't happen through an idea. It doesn't happen through a Bible verse. I wish it did. I wish, you know, because that was my thing with my spiritual director. Just give me a Bible verse. You know, just put a new idea in my head. Just give me something. And he would say, I just encourage you to decide to give yourself to the process. Oh, that's such crap. 
Here's the thing about it. All of us have this inner program for what's going to make us happy. We all have our plans on how we're going to maintain security, how we're going to um, feel in control. We all have our plans for this stuff. The problem is you can't work these things over the long haul without becoming more and more of a control freak in your life. The more you plan your security, the more you plan how to maintain control and how to not lose a firm grip, how to not surrender, it ultimately makes you, and this is what Jesus means, you forfeit your life. You forfeit your genuine self. This, this diagram right here, I got this from uh, Father Richard Rohr, but it's kind of the ego cycle. I want power, and we all want power. So how do we get it? I'll take control. I'll take control of whatever the situation or whoever the person is. And by taking control, I will declare from this point on that I am always the one that is right. And when I am right, I feel powerful. And when I feel powerful, I want power. I don't want to lose it. And when I want to have power, I take more control. And the ego cycle just goes round and round and round and round. And we all know, I think, by now, that control is really an illusion. But for some reason, we just have to keep hitting our head against that wall before we tap into it. And I think Jesus just says, you don't have to. I got something really good. Come over here. Father Richard Rohr also says this. He says, what makes religion so ineffective and so unexciting is that there has seldom been a concrete decision to turn our lives over to the care of God. Listen to that again. I, I love it because... I, this applies to my life because sometimes there, you know, I, even in my own life, I've been like, you know, that whole Christianity thing, that following Jesus thing, you know, I've tried it and it just doesn't seem to work. I hear people say, I've tried that. It just didn't seem to work. I would suggest ultimately that it's ineffective and it's not exciting because seldom do people really make a concrete decision to turn their will and to surrender their lives over to God. And for religious people, honestly, uh, Jews, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, all these religions, for a religious person to not surrender, it's kind of a major lesson in missing the point. Because all of these religions teach this. To not surrender, I think I'm going to write a book one day, Lessons in Missing the Point. Because that's, that's just like, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, lose yourself. Surrender. And then how about about making a decision? Nothing happens until we decide. And the only person that can decide on surrender is you. Your spouse can't do it for you, though they wish they could. Your kids can't decide for you. Not even God can decide for you. It's like dieting. You have to weigh out the cost and you have to decide if it's worth it. Or it's like kicking alcohol. You have to decide if you really want to kick it because it's not just going to easily happen. Or it's like your blood pressure. You know, your doctor can tell you day after day after day, 
If you don't start exercising, you're going to die. But your doctor can't make the decision for you. You have to decide. You have to walk in it. Jesus says in Luke chapter 4, he says, listen, if a, if a king's going to go to war with another king, the first thing he does is he counts his troops. He counts the troops to make sure he has enough because you don't want to have 3,000 troops going against an army of 30,000. You kind of got to count the cost and decide. Will we or will we not surrender? Last thought. Because there is a difference between surrender and sacrifice. And I think that this is incredibly important here. There's a universal substitute for surrender. And that is the myth of heroic sacrifice. The common way of surrendering the self while not really surrendering the self at all is being sacrificial. Uh, track with me here because I, I, I believe that this is where I've gotten stuck and I believe this is where many Christians get stuck. See, when we're sacrificial, when we give sacrificially, we look generous. We look loving. And sometimes we might be doing it truly out of a generous or loving heart. But usually it is still about me. Usually it still continues to give me my identity, my sense of superiority, my definition. It gets me admiration. It, it keeps me in control. So, has anyone ever said to you, I mean, but look at all the stuff I've done. I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And they go back ages, and you realize, oh, you weren't doing that out of the goodness of your heart. You're doing that to maintain your position, your place. Because now when I seem unappreciative, now you need to remind me. Or maybe you've done it. I have. <laughs> Guilty. How in the world could they do that to me? After I did this for them, and I did this for them, and I did this for them, and I did this for them. See, there's a difference between really surrendering ourselves to the divine, to the process, and just kind of pushing ourselves along. False sacrifice is an actual avoidance of any real surrendering of the self. So let's not think of ourselves as making so much a sacrifice for God as surrendering to God. Jesus himself says, listen, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire kindness and goodness. I desire you before your sacrifice. Anything that you sacrifice needs to come out of your surrender. And that's the beauty of it. Jesus actually came to do away with the whole sacrificial system. That's the beauty of it. You don't have to sacrifice anything to get God's love. You don't have to sacrifice anything to get Jesus to, to, to love you more, to be more present with you. Now, you think you do, and the reason you think you do is because your ego is driving you, because your ego loves the economy of merit, because the ego can weigh it out. If I do this, then I get that, and I feel good about that. I earned it. I pulled my weight. I did my thing, and Jesus is like, oh, 
Let's do away with that. That's crazy. I'm, that's not the kind of God I am. Here's the kind of God I am. You don't do anything, and I love you. Let's take that a step further. You screw up everything, and I love you. Let's take that a step further. You screw up everything, and I love you, and I forgive you, and I restore you, and you don't have to do anything. And if you want to get in on a better life, well, then just come on. That's the kind of God God is. We look at Jesus. We see it. He says, I don't want your sacrifice. But you will find that when you surrender, sacrifice all but the Son, as the Spirit of God begins to transform and form and shape and mold and morph. I'm in. I'm in. So, we die to ourselves and we live into this love. Last scripture, listen to this in Galatians chapter 2. St. Paul writes and he says, uh, Galatians 2 verse 20, for those of you who want to look that up. I've been crucified with Christ and my ego is no longer central. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So the life that I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died For nothing, but I accept this grace. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So tonight, in the final minutes here, I'm I'm going to pick the guitar back up, and I'm going to actually lead us in a song called Surrender. But here's what I'd like for you to do just want you to sing. And if you want to sing, sing the words. They'll be on the screen. If you want to listen, just listen to the words. But the question is, and listen, we'll be out of here in 10 minutes, so be present. Be present right here. What is the Holy Spirit? What's the invitation from the Spirit of God to you? What does surrender look like? Are you in a place where you're thinking maybe it's time for another level of surrender because I think it comes in levels what might it look like for you
Jesus, we look to your ways, your words, your life, your invitation. And Lord, we ask for more. And Jesus, even tonight, in the places that we just seem hung up, where it's been so hard for us to find freedom, Lord, if, if there's been places where we haven't surrendered and 
You know our hearts. You know we want to. God, would you give us the grace, the means of grace that we need to hand this over to you. Lord, that we would not confuse sacrifice for surrender, but that we would become people who really make a concrete decision to surrender our lives, our wills to you. And it really, it's not a quid quo pro kind of thing, but we understand, or may we understand that you're just saying, hey, give me your life and I'm going to give you something that's so much more beautiful, so much richer, so much more full of grace. I'm going to give you the good stuff. May we experience more of the good stuff, Lord. So church, tonight as we go, as we walk out of the building and we walk into the space that the Spirit inhabits at all times, may the Lord God bless you. May the Lord God keep you. May the Lord God cause His face to shine upon you and give you peace. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Holy Spirit open your eyes and your heart, your soul and your mind to see and to experience the presence all around you. May you know the love of God this week in new, beautiful, refreshing ways, maybe perhaps in ways that you've not experienced God's love before. And church, I encourage you, be looking for it. Be looking for the ways that God is showing God's love to you. We pray all these things tonight in the name of God, the creator and the father of all that is. In the name of Jesus, the Christ, who was in the very beginning, who is now and will be forevermore. And in the name of the Holy Spirit that breathes life into your lungs, into my lungs, into all of creation. And together everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.